Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. And before we jump into the really cool stuff that we're going to bring you today, we have a super important message for you. Did you hear that Brilliantly Resilient, the book is out in the world and it landed on the top 100 bestsellers list. That's where it debuted. We're so excited. Go get it at amazon.com. Search Brilliantly Resilient and you'll see it in Kindle and paperback. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. We are just so excited today to bring you one of our favorite, favorite people who we met probably about a year or so ago um, because I actually saw her book in the Ocean City, New Jersey Library. That is where I first came across Fran Hauser, who wrote the bestseller, The Myth of the Nice Girl. And when I saw the title of the book, I was like, I got to know what this is about. So um, we're just so delighted to have Fran. She is uh, a media, I want to say a media mogul. Does that like work? Media mogul? She has had, um, right? You're a mogul. Like, let's just (laughs) own it, you know? Media mogul, she's had um, a wonderfully amazing career with, with the publication of magazines, with um, the again, the, the media world. She's an angel investor. She has a book. There are just no end to the number of accolades that we could throw your way. So we're just uh, so delighted to have you, Fran. Thank you for joining us. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. And we're looking, we, we commented immediately on your bold, dramatic color choice of your room. For anybody who's listening to this as a podcast, it's a gorgeous, deep, rich, velvety blue. Um, <laughs> and it's just... You know, because you're such a dramatic person. We talked about that earlier. Dramatic person, and this is actually my guest bedroom, where I'm where I'm sitting right now. Um, But we were just saying everything has been so dramatic. So why not? Yeah, exactly. Own the drama, folks. Drama. drama. Yeah. So to start off this conversation, we kind of want to know a little bit about your story. We often talk on this show about this sort of reset rise and the reveal of your brilliance. And and often it's about people's sort of origin story, but all of us have had to deal with that reset and the rise and the reveal um, in more current terms. But tell us a little bit about your background, and then we want to get into all that other good stuff. Great. So, you know, I spent, as you mentioned earlier, many years in media um, I worked for you know startups like Movie Phone um, and big companies like wow. Time Inc., where I was the president of digital, um, and so spent many many years you know there. Loved it, and then I shifted over to angel investing about seven years ago, um, which has been you know really rewarding. It's been kind of just amazing to work with founders, um, you know, entrepreneurs who are are launching new products and new businesses and not just writing the check, but really being a thought partner for them and a sounding board. Mm. Um, So that's just been really incredible. I've invested in over 30 companies at this point. Um, 28 of them are female founded. So I'm really focused on 
changing the ratio around um, early stage funding and the percentage of it that goes to female founders. Um, and then I wrote this book that you noticed in the library, which I, I don't think I, I realized that. So it's awesome. Um, called The Myth of the Nice Girl, which is all about how you don't have to choose between kindness and strength when you lead, um, that those two things are not mutually exclusive. And, you know, the book came out two and a half years ago. It's been translated into eight languages, wow. um, which is amazing. It's so much fun to see women from all around the world, you know, posting about the book um, on social media and just to see the impact that it's made. Um, and I was just mentioning to both of you that, you know, it really launched, the book launched this speaking practice for me. I've done over 150 talks um, over the last two and a half years, um, which has just been really rewarding and, 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 and amazing. And um, like you said, the last nine months has been just a lot of, a lot of kind of resetting mm -hmm. and not going exactly the way that I expected and having to be kind of adaptable and um, flexible. So we can definitely get into that if you'd like. Oh, for sure. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot there. There's a lot, yeah. I'll add one thing to what this year has been in addition to your adaptable and flexible has been patience growing. I've had to practice patience, which is so not a strong suit of mine. I, I, having all these unknowns has almost driven me nuts. Well, I honestly, I'm, I'm with you. And I was saying to someone the other day, I feel like I've, I've just been engaged in so much more negative self-talk mm -hmm. than usual. Mm. And that's where I have to exercise like patience with myself and compassion and cutting myself some slack, like just all of that. Um, it's not easy. It, no, but you know what? It's really interesting that you say that because I think people who are used to being active and producing and, you know, being right in the thick of things and, and, you know, working and creating and all of that, everything was really brought to a complete and total stop about eight months ago. Like it was just, Kristen and I had said that when we launched our program on March the 7th, you know, our goal was to be on stages and speak and do all that kind of stuff. And then literally the week after we, we did our first program, everything shut down. So you tend to think like we always, it's interesting how we internalize all of that. Like this is a global pandemic and yet we end up beating ourselves up personally because we're not out doing more. Right. We're not out doing more. We're not achieving, you know, as much yes. as we used to, right. That's also a big part of it because that it feels so good when you accomplish something. Um, and there's just not as much of that because our lives have just been taken over, right. By so many different things. I've, I have two boys that are eight and 10 and they're doing hybrid, you know, where they're in school a couple of days a week and then they're home the rest of the week. And, you know, I have to have capacity for them like that. That's, I have to make room. Right. I, so it's being really honest with myself too, about what can I take on professionally right now? I feel like I've gotten much better about saying no to things. Um, I just had a call this morning with a founder of an ed tech, an education technology company who was 
really trying to convince me to, to join her advisory board. And I had to be really honest, you know, with myself and say, look, that's just not my focus right now. And, um, you know, normally it's, it was, it would be probably something that I would have loved to do because I think it would have been a great learning experience for me too. But on the investing side of my business, I'm really focused on CPG and wellness. Mm. And I have to really stay focused on that. Um, yeah. So it, it has, I think it's forced all of us to just be so much more focused and setting boundaries and really thinking about like, what do you say yes to and, and what, what to say no to? Well, and I think people tend to forget that when you say, this is what I started doing with myself because I couldn't say no to anything. I was saying yes to everything. And then my kids are like, oh, so we're on the hook for our own laundry feeding ourselves. Like, where are you? You know, one time my, my son, my, my kids are all teens and then I have a 20 year old and my son was on an interview and I'm listening to him tell this story on a podcast. And he said, you know, I miss everything around here. I came down to breakfast one morning and said to my sister, where's mom? She goes, Toronto. <laughs> an early flight and somebody forgot to tell Mitchell but so so when everything shut down and we're we're broadcasting this in in 2021 but when everything shut down in 2020 I had to it was actually a good thing for me to regroup and figure out where did I need to say no and I will tell you this Fran and you probably noticed this too when I said no to a lot of things I was able to say doors opened that I really needed to open and was able to say yes. Cause I actually got involved in a, I was invited to a startup for the first time in my life. Never would have thought I would be involved in something like that. And it's exactly a 20 year dream come true. But if I kept all those other yeses, I never would have even had time to take the phone call. Oh, I love that so much. Like you literally made room for it in your life and um, and by the way, doesn't it feel so good after you say no? Like it feels like such a relief. Yeah. The yeah. The weight's off your shoulders. The weight's off your shoulders. And it's like, even like, I don't know, sometimes I'll get invited to events right now. They're all, they're all virtual events, but I have like a little bit of FOMO. Like if I, you know, mm -hmm. if I say no, like, what am I going to miss out on? And, um, but then I say no. And automatically I think about, wow, that's two hours that I'm going to have like on, you know, a Wednesday night at seven o'clock um, to binge watch my favorite show or spend time with the kids or read a book or yeah. right. So like if there's so much joy in it, you know, as opposed to just like focusing on what am I going to miss out on or the guilt of or saying, you know, yeah, yeah. Throw that out the window. Yeah. The yeah. guilt or the people pleasing, or, you know, there's so many reasons, right. I think yeah. we've actually also come to realize how much we can do without. And, and when you, when you, for whatever reason, when you say no, when you start to eliminate these things, as Kristen said, and as you referenced, there are opportunities, whether it's to do something else that might be more productive or fulfill a dream or simply to fulfill your own personal needs. Those are the kinds of things that we always put on the back level. And I will grant you, I've spent a little bit too much time thinking about my own personal needs because I had nothing else to think about, at least early on. But there, there is a clarity that has come with that. Like, oh, I don't need this, that or the other thing to either be fulfilled, move me forward, whatever. And, and it's like a revelation. It really is. It yeah. really is. I, I, that's, look, we talk about the silver linings that have come out of this 
experience. And that is definitely one of the silver linings for me is just the stuff that I've taken off my plate. You know, like Ariana Huffington always talks about having a to don't list and, you know, just there, there are so many more things on that to don't list, just, you know, things that, like you said, like they're not really moving anything forward. They don't matter. They're, they're not important, you know, or they're not bringing me joy. Yeah. So if it's not important, it's not bringing you joy. Like, why are you doing it? Sometimes we get into these like weird routines and, and, and habits, or we feel like we, we should do it or, you know, and so that's actually been, um, that's been a huge silver lining for sure. Yeah, yeah. We, we actually, me and Mary Fran had like a, a come to Jesus moments with ourself and said, because we're like, have all these ideas for this whole new business and model of brilliantly resilient that we could take over the world from our tables in our house. We don't have to fly. <laughs> so we had so much going on that we actually had a call one day and we were like, we have, we had to create a to don't list. We cannot possibly do all these things. What are we really good at? And it was speaking and writing. And I'm telling you, Fran, once we did that to don't list and just focused on our good things, our book lands on the top 100 bestsellers next to Deepak Chopra, right? (laughs) Deepak's scratching his head right now going, who the heck are these? Who are these people next to me on Amazon? And we're like, congratulations all that to don't like yes we're talented and we we could we have ideas out the wazoo that we could really benefit a lot of people but we can't we weren't doing a couple of things really well so we just focused there and then it's and 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 you know what's so crazy is like we know this right we know this we focus like we know it but then we start going crazy with like all of our ideas. It happens to me all the time. You know, I could do this and I could do that and I can that and that. And the list just keeps growing. And then you get into the overwhelmed stage because mm-hmm. then you're looking at the list and you're like, I can't possibly do all of this. Right. And then when you realize, wait, these are the two things, it's the speaking and the writing. That's what we're going to focus on. And it unleashed, right. Yes. All of these yeah. amazing exciting things and outcomes. This so, is, yeah, it's so important. This is so um, intertwined with everything that you talk about though. And Kristen had mentioned the guilt part of it. And I kind of want to bring this back to your whole idea of you can still be nice and, and say no, and you can still be nice and, and treat people with respect and kindness, but respect your own boundaries and your own brilliance, you know, which is, which is kind of our tie-in because it would be wonderful if we could, you know, kind of clone ourselves and then put those clones in the closet to do all of these other things. But when there's a certain amount of hours in the day, a certain amount of energy, and there's, there are certain places where you shine, it's too, it ultimately, even though it might not feel like it to other people, it ultimately benefits everyone. If you say, no, that's not my space. It, it really is. It's a gift. Like I, I have founders who are working on their fundraising right now. You know, they're, they're raising money and they reach out to potential investors. Um, they ask them, you know, are they interested in looking at the, the pitch, hearing the pitch? And then these investors will string the founders along, you know, like whether if they're going to invest or they're not going to invest. So it's this like weird place founders will always say to me that how much they appreciate a no, 
because then they can just move on. Right. You know, like they can just like put that investor in the no list and it's no for now. Right. Maybe like in a year you could go back. Maybe your business is too early, whatever, but they appreciate the no because then they can move on. And that's like the worst thing when you, um, when you, when you're stringing people along because you're afraid, like you're afraid that you might hurt their feelings or, you know, like you, you kind of want to keep the door open. Um, it's, it's such a gift to say no. And the other thing I say is that I talk about this a lot as women, we have this tendency of feeling like we need to over explain when we're saying no, like you don't need to write a three paragraph email. You can literally say no in two lines, yep. you know, and you can always start talk about kindness, right. By saying, thank you. Right. Thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for whatever it is. And just let the person know, like, look, I'm heads down right now working on building my business or writing this book or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so I won't be able to participate at this time, but, you know, and just wrap it up with best wishes. And it's two lines. It's literally, don't, don't you guys see that where sometimes it's like, oh my God, I have to like write a dissertation to support or to justify like why I'm saying no. I, I overheard my husband on the phone the other day saying no. And he literally just said, no, that doesn't work for me right now. And that was it. End of conversation. <laughs> like, wait, that's an option. <laughs> you still have 27 minutes left to continue. <laughs> I know exactly. Like, <laughs> don't you want my three hour explanation of this? Right, but I was kind of jealous. I'm like, I, like the fact that he could just do that, like, no, it doesn't work for me right now. And so that's my other kind of thing that I really like to encourage women to do is first of all, um, say no more, right? Because you have to really be protective of your, your time and your energy. Mm -hmm. Um, So say no more and you don't need to over-explain. You can, you can say no in like a minute or less. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I feel like Part of that desire to over-explain is being nice in the not productive way. And I think that's one of the things, like when you talk about being nice, it's still about being kind. It's still about being um, respectful, but it's not about people-pleasing. Yeah, there's a huge difference, right? Like being kind and being nice and being empathetic you know, all of those things are really important in life and in business, because when you are those things that really, they allow you to develop relationships with people in a, in a deeper way, right? Because you're showing that you care about them. You're, you're respectful of them. You, you care about their ideas and their, their points of view. And, and that allows you to build trust and to build relationships. So those things, there's so much power to kindness and to empathy, you know, to being nice. And, but the, the downside of it is exactly Mary Fran, what you just talked about, which is you don't want to veer into that people pleasing territory because then that's where you start getting taken advantage of and, you know, really being perceived as more of a pushover, you know, like, Oh, Fran will do it. Like she'll, you know, she can't say no. She's, you know, she says yes to everything. Like just ask her to do it. Like, so that's not productive. So let me ask you this, how much of this, and this has been something that I've started to rely on way more frequently is kind of a gut feeling for you. 
Like how much do you go, this doesn't feel right. And I think that, you know, we, we want to encourage women to use their brains, to think logically, to do all that. But to me, there's still a part of it that ultimately comes back to this doesn't feel like a good fit. Do oh, it's, you, it's, you rely on that? It's huge. I have to tell you, when I think about bad decisions that I've made, like, like the worst decisions that I've made in my career. And I go back to like, I, you know, you do a little postmortem, like what would I have done differently? Mm-hmm. The common thread is that I didn't listen to my gut. Oh, is wow. that I met, you know, I remember meeting like this, this, this woman who I ended up investing in her business. And I had such an off feeling in my, in my gut about like something didn't sit right, but I got so wrapped up in all of the A-list investors and influencers that she had surrounded herself with, you know, like all of these people were investing in her, they were advising her. Um, And I literally, I just got so wrapped up in that, that I wasn't paying attention to how I was feeling, like little things, like I noticed she wasn't really taking any of my feedback. Like I, I would share feedback with her and she was very dismissive of it, you know? It's it was things like that, like it, and it it ended up being a terrible investment. And but literally, that is the common thread is that I didn't I didn't listen to my to my gut. I always say like when I make a decision, I like data. I really like taking in data. I like talking to different people and you know getting different different pieces of data using my brain. But then the ultimate decision is made with my gut. I I love that. <laughs> One of the things that that I've actually learned from Mary Fran in doing this show and writing the book is, and coming up with all these brilliantly resilient programs is that part of our reset is tuning into our values. And I had never considered that before. And then when I do the same thing, when I look back on the bad decisions and people that I brought in, every single one I can point to, I was choosing proximity to them as opposed to my core values of me as a person, a mom and a business owner, every single time it was proximity was over all of my true values. Mm -hmm. And now I have to stay very conscious of that because, you know, I mean, I grew a nonprofit from nothing to being known around the world and you need proximity. You need that. But when you put that above your core stuff, that's when it all falls apart. Yeah. I totally agree. That's, that's such an important insight. I never thought about it that way. Even just using that word proximity. It's, it's so yeah. hard though, especially, you know, you're there, you're going to be with those A-listers and it's like, Ooh, that could really grow. But then when it all falls apart on the one end, it's like, well, because you know what you're doing, which is interesting, or you know, what I was doing in that situation is I was, I wasn't valuing my own gut as much as I was valuing the fact that, well, all of these really brilliant people are on board. So like, I must be wrong. They've all made the decision to get on board. So like, there's, there's something I, I must be the one that's wrong. They've got to be right. You know? And then, so I suppressed my own intuition and my values, by the way. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you have a weird gut feeling about something, that means that your values aren't aligned. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Your values are yeah. not aligned. 
And so, ultimately, even if the thing, whatever it is, ends up being successful, there's still going to be a part of it that's not going to sit well with you. And I think we tend to look at these things like, like you're saying, here's an opportunity with all these big people, and that's where I want to be. So I have to do this. But the truth of the matter is there will be other opportunities. There will be, and it might take you a little longer. It might not be the leap that you think, but this is to bring this full circle back to that idea of patience. Like you have to be patient and wait for that thing that aligns with you, or it's just not going to work. You know, I, um, it's really interesting. I don't know if you guys have ever taken the the Myers-Briggs personality test, right? You know, I took it a few times, especially earlier on when I was in corporate and I would always score off the charts on, um, it's the last one. It's the J is all about closure. Like I really like closure to things, right? And the opposite of that is being a perceiver, which is you just, you're comfortable with just kind of like, you know, leaving things open. And one of the things that I've really had to train myself on is, um, is being a little bit more patient and kind of just letting things sit for a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Because my nat, my, my nature is like, I just want to, I want to check it off the list. <laughs> oh, you are speaking her language. You right? are, spe- she just wants those check marks. Oh. <laughs> Right. It feels so good. Like I just, I lived with a drug addict for a long time. We, I didn't get to check anything off. So I have to agree with you that that was my personality, but my baptism by fire was, well, it's just not going to work out that way today. So you got to look at it a different way. And ultimately, again, the experience sucked, not a blessing, but ultimately it did teach me that. And that's so important. It's so, it's so important. I've really like just I do that more now. I just, I just kind of say, you know what, this just doesn't feel right. Let, let's just kind of, let's just let it sit for a little bit. Let's just see what happens. Um, and I'm, I'm much better. I'm more comfortable, with it, but it took years. I mean, it really took years for, yeah, yeah I'm still on that journey. <laughs> it's hard, man. It is hard, but you know what, when you can sit and let things evolve, very often problems unknot themselves without your overt constant worrying and fretting and your influence and all that. Very often, these are things that are maybe not up to you to solve in the first place. Again, going back to my experience with my son, I could want what I wanted until the, you know, till the cows came home, but it wasn't in my power. So, you know, you talked also earlier about what can I do? And sometimes what you can do in the immediate moment is nothing. Nothing. And you have to sit and wait and let these things evolve. And this other thing that Kristen and I say all the time is not be married to an outcome. Because unless you're living on an island and you're just doing this all yourself, there are going to be other variables. Absolutely. And the other thing that just sort of really struck me recently um, is you can make a good decision, but still have a bad outcome. Does that make sense? Like you can really make, like you can, you can think about it the right way. You could take in all the data, you could weigh the risks, you could, you know, you could be really thoughtful about it. Listen, you know, listen to your gut, go through your process, which works for you, your decision-making process. But then you know what? Sometimes like a global pandemic can happen <laughs> or right. Like something completely out of your control, some, an external circumstance. 
yeah, anything could happen that, you know, outcome, right? Mm -hmm. So I think also just realizing that, that, you know, cutting yourself a little bit of slack there too. Like you, you can take it so far, right? But then sometimes stuff happens. Yeah. So speaking of stuff happens and we're talking about, you know, um, saying no to things, let's, let's go into the the piece of your journey where the world said no to you with a big plan (laughs) that you had in 2020, you had to shift gears. Let's, cause we were talking about that story before we came on the air and I want our listeners to hear that. Yeah. So pre COVID, um, I was working on opening a bookstore in my town, um, with one of my really good friends And like, we were really far down the path. We had the location um, selected. We had the architectural drawings done. We got the building permit. We even had like the planogram done, which is, you know, the bookshelves and, you know, what genres we're going to carry. I mean, we were really far down the path. And it was probably one of the most joyful projects, I think, that um, I've really ever worked on because I love reading so much and I love books. And it's like one of those things ever since I was a little girl, you know, I just, my mother would come into my room and I would be sitting on the floor of my bedroom with my back up against my bed reading. Mm. And um, so reading and books have always brought me so much joy. And so it was just so fun to like work on, you know, a physical presence. but of course, COVID hit and now is not the right time. You know, we felt like to open up a brick and mortar retail store, which is really all about bringing the community together. Um, and it was a real loss, like, you know, having to say like, now is not the right time. And we kept, God, this was last spring, right? So at first we're like, well, let's give it a few months. You know, maybe we'll be able to like open, you know, by the end of the summer. And then it was the fall. And so, you know, we, we kept kind of putting it off and then, I finally decided to just like, okay, I'm just going to sit. I'm just going to sit with this. Something's going to happen. And then I just got the idea a couple of months ago to launch a bookstagram, which I did. It's called Fran's Bookshelf. And, you know, I just thought this would be such a great, like creative channel and outlet for me to share my love of books and reading um, it's a way for me to do it, you know, to take photos and to write book reviews and to build a community, you know, but wow. to, to do that instead of doing it physically, mm-hmm. uh, to do it over Instagram. And I launched it a few weeks ago. It has been so much fun. It's just been such an incredible creative outlet. Um, I've really enjoyed it. And, you know, I was saying to, to you before, like, it's so small compared to a physical brick and mortar, you know, Mm -hmm. it's such a, it's, it's, but it's, it's feeding me, you know, I think it's actually feeding me like just as much as a bookstore. Wow. Um, so I think that was like a really big pivot and reset. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's also, here's the other thing. It's taking a fraction of my time. Um, I was talking to Kristen who, you know, we were working on the bookstore together and we were really talking about like the operations of a bookstore and like, you know, that that's, it's a big deal. And I have other parts of my professional life too. Right. So it's not like this is, was going to be my 24 seven thing. Um, so I'm spending a fraction of the time on this bookstagram and I'm probably getting like just as much joy out of it. 
Um, so wow, if you get to really do it. Fun. You get to focus on the part you love. Like that's one of the things that's that in, I guess in any profession that you choose, there are going to be parts of it that you just don't like doing. I mean, it's, you know, like I, I give me, I'll write books all day long, but please don't make me market them. But then, but that's part of it. So you get the best of it. And, and I mean, I think this has been the lesson that's come out of all of this, those tweaks, those pivots that you have to make in your plan can ultimately end up being very fulfilling, but you have to, you have to be willing to lower the wall. You have to be willing to stop saying, why did this happen? And I can't do what I want, you know, and that's not always easy. It's true. And it's also like, just start, like, just start small, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like over the course of my career, I really, you know, kind of got used to working on these like big projects, you know, that have um, just like huge impact, sometimes globally, you know, or like big products or, and it can be just as rewarding, you know, to work on something that isn't at that scale, you know, like it, it, it's, so it's just sort of changing your, your mindset. And it's actually, here's another interesting, another interesting insight is when I launched the bookstagram, um, I had several of my friends and colleagues reach out to say, well, how are you monetizing this? Like what, how is this, you know, what's the business part of this? And I said to them, I'm not monetizing it, you know, like maybe something might come out of it. That's more kind of business focused, but for right now, like I actually really feel okay with the idea of it simply being a creative outlet. Yeah. Right. But like, because my friends know me, they know that I'm a business person and they're yeah. like, where's the money? Like, how are you making money? <laughs> how are you making money? And it's like, it's okay for it not to be about the money. Yeah, you're right. But sometimes it just evolves to that. Cause that's how, when we started brilliantly resilient, we're like, you know, it's not like we're getting paid to be on our own stage and we just wanted to, but we wanted to continue serving and do something. Of course, then for a while there, I'm like, I think this is actually my therapy. I think I started this to fix Kristen's mind and life because I was benefiting so much as a mom and a person. And then, you know, everything switched for me. And then, and now Mary Fran and I are just on this trajectory up of all of it is falling into place when we didn't, but, but she, Mary Fran is constantly, I'm going to get her a t-shirt that says, don't be married to the outcome. Cause I'm all about the outcome and the box checking it off at the end. And that's what we had to let go of. And then just see where it went and continue serving, which is our biggest value that we share is service. Sure. And, and then I love that. I love that. Yeah. And you should get a t-shirt made that says that. That's I am going to get that. Oh, there's a lot of t-shirts. That she there's a lot of t-shirts coming. <laughs> Some of them we can't actually put in print for public consumption. Some of my t-shirt sayings, <laughs> but that one we can. <laughs> there's going to be a whole merch business. I, <laughs> I can see I'm it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so fun. Well, Fran, this has been, as I knew it would be, a delightfully illuminating and empowering conversation. I feel like you address, whenever I talk to you, you address every part of sort of the female psyche, you know, like our, our, our minds, our, our, our feelings, our, all of that stuff. But you, you address it in such a way that allows us to be fully human, fully present, fully engaged. And I so appreciate that. So 
Before we sign off, I want everybody to know where they can get some more of Fran Hauser. So tell us, please. Yeah, so the the website is franhauser.com, really simple. Um, and my new bookstagram is at Fran's Bookshelf. Okay, well, we're definitely going to be checking that out for sure. Yeah, yeah. This you is ladies fun. are amazing. Congratulations on everything. So thanks. Oh, thanks. Right back at you. Yeah, we're this having a lot of fun. Um, this has been just what the community needed to launch our most brilliant year yet, which is what 2021 is coming off of the 20, <laughs> 2020 reset of a lifetime. And now the most brilliant year yet. You really kicked us off, Fran. I love it. I knew that you would, and I can't stop smiling. I'm such a nerd because you really, just so many different points of resetting, rising, and revealing your brilliance. So thanks so much for spending the time with us. Thank you for having me. See you soon, everybody. We will be back with more brilliance for making 2021 your most brilliant year yet. Go to brilliantlyresilient.net and see all of the things that you can uh, take advantage of to do that for yourself. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.